Thank you so much for that introduction. We're so happy to be here. Um, I'm uh, Deborah Friedman and, oops, sorry, didn't mean to move ahead. Um, and uh, Dr. Bruce and I are going to be talking about pain in CF. And uh, Dr. Bruce, I'll, I'll mute and let you go ahead. Great. Thank you so much to the organizers, to everyone who has been part of this conference so far. Dr. Friedman and I are honored and thrilled to be a part of this. And we are excited to share today uh, some preliminary work uh, on a project that we'll be telling you about. So first to present our disclosures. Uh, Dr. Friedman has grant support from the CF Foundation and CF Foundation Therapeutics. And I currently have grant support from the CF Foundation and also the Multiple Sclerosis Society. So when I was teaching a capstone undergraduate psychology class, we had a segment on pain. And I would put up the word pain on the screen and partly to ensure that everyone was paying attention and that everyone was engaged, I would actually have students write down a definition for pain. And it was fascinating because then after I gave them, you know, just a few minutes, I would ask them if they felt comfortable to share their definitions. And the definitions, were excellent. I was I was often astounded, kind of at the insightful um, kind of perspective these undergraduate students had, even even at their age, on pain. And defining pain can be difficult. We have a we decided to include a definition, sort of a formal definition, from the International Association for the Study of Pain. This was from 2020. So you can see it here. Pain is an unpleasant sensory and emotional experience associated with or resembling that of actual or potential tissue damage. And I think what is great about this definition and also great about a lot of the definitions that these undergraduate students included was that, you know, it's not just the sensory experience. It's not just the nociception that, you know, nerves are activated and you have that sensory experience. But there's also this emotional piece. And, and we're going to be talking quite a bit about, about that today. We have emotional pain, physical pain, and then there's both, right? And often they go hand in hand. It's interesting because if you've ever seen a toddler or you know a baby that's just kind of starting to walk, they fall a lot, right? And often if you see a little kid take a tumble, they will look to their caregiver immediately for some sort of input, some sort of reaction. You know, should I cry? Should I be upset? 
Um, and I think that's a very uh, kind of simple example, but clear example that it's not just that nociception, it's not just the sensory input, but there are many, many different factors uh, at play here related to pain. I've done quite a bit of research using functional MRI, uh, functional magnetic resonance imaging, to better understand decision-making processes, you know, related to health behaviors. And more recently, I've been fortunate to, to collaborate with some folks who um, have a pediatric pain program. And so we've actually been looking at brain scans of these youth who are, who are in this program, both before the program and after the program. And I think that it is worth pointing out, especially as we're gonna be talking today about the overlap and how important both emotional pain and physical pain are, that the brain regions that are responsible for processing pain, they overlap with areas that are responsible for empathy. So relating to, connecting to others. So areas of the prefrontal cortex. They're also overlapping with areas like the anterior insula, which help us to become aware of what's going on in our body. Are you hungry? Are you full? How fast is your heart beating? Are you hot? Are you cold? The insula is key for this, this interoception and areas for pain processing overlap with the insula. And then also brain regions that are important for pain processing overlap with areas where we process negative emotions, fear, anger, like the amygdala. So it's important to keep this in mind. I mentioned just a moment ago that I've been fortunate to do some research with youth in this pain program. We're just kind of starting to dive into data analysis, but I wanted to include this just to allow you to kind of eyeball. So on the left, we have youth who are looking at pictures of people in physical pain. And on the right, we have youth who are looking at pictures of people in emotional pain. And just eyeballing it, you can see that while the areas aren't identical, right? The areas in red that are, that are lit up, they're not identical, but there sure is a lot of overlap. There sure are a lot of similarities in terms of areas that are processing physical pain, areas that are processing emotional pain. Because pain is so complex and multifactorial, it's important that treatment include a lot of different aspects, right? I think initially people often think of pain relief and pain relieving medications, you know, everything from Tylenol, acetaminophen to ibuprofen, you know, ranging all the way to medications like narcotics and opioids. Interventional therapies include things like trigger point injections, um, sort of uh, minor kind of surgical um, procedures that are done for pain. Of course, we have physical therapy and rehabilitation 
that a lot of people engage in. We have psychological therapies, which we're gonna be talking about more today. And then we have the complementary or alternative types of medicine, things like acupuncture, massage. A lot of different pieces go into pain Unfortunately, not all pain treatment is, is equal. And here on this slide, we just, we wanted to acknowledge the unfortunate reality, uh, a lot of research has been done in this area, that you know, depending on what racial or ethnic group that you're in, you may or may not get um, adequate pain treatment. Depending on your gender, women are less likely than men to be treated aggressively for pain and women wait longer to, retreat, to receive treatment for pain. We don't know about the CF community whether some of these trends apply. More research definitely needs to be done because we just don't know whether we see um, similar disparities within the CF community. Now, where does pain come from? And, you know, is, is this a problem? I think so. And research bears that out. Studies have shown that you know, up to almost 80% of children and adolescents and up to 89% of adults living with CF report pain. In terms of pain that is overwhelming, very severe and debilitating, 18% um, of adults in a study of palliative care needs reported that level of significant pain. And where does it come from? Many different places is the answer, both acute pain and chronic pain. Of course, if a person has had some sort of um, surgical procedure, um, we have the post-operative and post-procedural pain aspect. I think lung pain or chest pain would be what a lot of people, what, what a lot of people would kind of bring to mind but there are so many other origins of pain as well. From sinus disease, I talk with a lot of people about frequent headaches, um, eye pain, ear pain, a lot related to, to sinus disease. We have the GI manifestations, which can be extremely painful for people um, from gallbladder, liver, pancreas, intestines, I talk with a lot of people um, about joint pain as well, um, whether it's you know related to CF or not. It, it seems to be you know people get sort of different answers on that, um, but joint pain is a very very real thing. From CF related diabetes, you have people experiencing neuropathic pain, back pain, neck pain due to different postural factors. And then of course there's, you know, living with CF um, and the stress um, that just takes a toll on one's body. A lot of you have probably seen either this image or an image like it. And we just wanted to include this to illustrate, you know, how many manifestations there are of CF. And as a result, you know, 
unfortunately, how many opportunities there are for discomfort and for pain. So we know that pain in CF is widespread. Uh, it's very prevalent and um, it's very heterogeneous in terms of you know, what area of the body it impacts. Unfortunately, and not surprisingly, those living with pain and CF experience you know, worse mood, so higher, higher rates of depression and anxiety, worse quality of life. It's harder to keep a job, managing everything that one has to um, related to treatments, medications, all of that just becomes more difficult. Physical functioning and just in terms of um, mobility and exercise suffers. And overall, a person will have more exacerbations and an increased risk for mortality. So it's a big deal. And unfortunately, pain is often under-recognized and under-managed. And that led us to this project that we're going to be talking about today. After you know, multiple submissions to different, uh, different areas for grant funding, we were fortunate enough to receive a CF Foundation Clinical Pilot and Feasibility Award. And this is a collaboration, this, this definitely takes a team and we have great colleagues on this project. Uh, Dr. Chadwick, Yonker, Georgiopoulos, Greenberg, and Wendy Huh. So we're gonna talk a little bit about what we're, what we're doing in this project. So our first aim is to figure out what's needed, right? We are engaging uh, people with CF, gathering input, to try and come up with um, something that is going to be beneficial and, and address people's needs. So we partnered with CF Community Voice and re recruited 14 adults with CF for qualitative interviews. We'll also be conducting focus groups with care teams to get the care team perspective um, across two different centers. Taking this feedback, we're then going to create a CF-specific mind-body pain management intervention for adults with CF. We anticipate that it will be brief between three and five sessions, structured and tailored. There will be a patient workbook. But again, this is based on feedback that we will get, that we have gotten um, from the CF community. And then we'll pilot it. We'll give it a we'll give it a try. In twenty adults, um, we will um, ask them to participate in this CF specific cognitive behavioral therapy pain intervention. And in this small sample, we'll look at you know is it feasible? Is it acceptable? Um, is it reasonable to ask people to do this? Um, and we'll look at some very preliminary efficacy data to see if it's helpful for people. So taking just a, a step back, I mentioned CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy. 
Um, I have been fortunate to work with Dr. Friedman and Dr. Georgiopoulos now, I don't know, I think we're going on four or five years. Time flies when you're having fun. But um, with this team, and you can see our team member below, Drs. Quitner, Smith, Cher, Polanini, Mohair, and Meg Dvorak, we've had funding and have developed an eight-session mental health intervention for stress reduction, for working on anxiety, working on symptoms of depression. It is specific to CF, which people love. Um, the examples are directly related to, and they come from focus groups um, that we have done in terms of developing this very, very um, specific to CF um, intervention. So we're using kind of this as a model for what we're doing now with our pain intervention. And there will be components of this that will likely be very relevant to people coping with pain as well. We also wanna mention um, that we're rolling this intervention out, the CFCBT, um, and training other people to provide this, this intervention. We've had several, two trainings already, um, one was at NACFC last fall. Um, we'll be doing a live virtual training this coming February. Again, training people to provide this type of, of intervention for adults with CF. So I mentioned that we have done our 14 interviews. They were in-depth, semi-structured. We had a script, but often you know, we would veer from the script as, as the person told his or her story. We had four areas um, that we were really curious about. The first was the experience of pain for people. The second was how did pain impact their daily lives? We were also interested in what, what it was like for people to try and get treatment for pain and what it was like communicating with um, healthcare teams. And then we asked them lots of questions about our ideas for an intervention and you know, what they thought of, of our initial ideas and, and whether this would be helpful or which aspects of it would be particularly helpful. We also asked, you know, what do you want your CF care teams to know? We had 47 people respond to the community voice survey, voicing interest in, in the project. As I said, we completed these 14 interviews. You can see the gender and ethnicity and race and age breakdown. And a caveat here that what we're going to share today is very preliminary. We have not done the formal qualitative analysis, um, but really we're so excited about some of these emerging themes or um, and just some of the, the ideas that are coming out from these interviews that we definitely wanted to, to share some of them. So regarding the experience of pain, it seems that pain is a part of life with CF. You can read the quote here. I mean, just about all the pain that I experienced, I have 
you know, other types of pain that I experience, like old injuries that are not CF related. But the majority of pain I experience daily and chronically would definitely be tied to CF. And other people mirrored that. Someone said, it's like every ounce of pain that I deal with goes back to a comorbidity of CF in some way. Another person said, they've told me it could just be from CF and aging. And then some of it also can be effects of medication long-term. This individual said, I don't really give myself enough credit for how much pain I meet on a daily basis. I just kind of ignore it because it's just normal life for me. And I think that has to do with just having CF. And again, not surprisingly, we saw from you know, how the experience of pain impacts day-to-day -day life, it does impact quality of life. Someone said lung pain is horrifying. Another person said chronic pain tires you out. Physical pain fights you. You are working against it. This example I thought was, was very powerful and a very, um, very vivid imagery. My husband describes it really well. He says, honey, it's like you're on a moving sidewalk and you're walking, but it's going backwards. And so all you're able to do is just stay steady and you're not moving forward. It takes all of your energy to not go backwards. That's a good way to describe it. So the last quote I'll share here was someone I talked to said, and so pain actually completely changed my plans. I thought I'd teach a lot longer, so I'm not doing what I love to do. I'm grateful for what I can do, and I still keep busy, but I don't do nearly what I would love to be able to do. Thank you, Amanda. I'm going to be um, starting uh, to talk a little bit more about some additional themes that have come up and, and then talk a little bit about our pain intervention before we um, both are available to answer questions. Um, so um, another theme that uh, emerged from this initial review of our interviews is that um, pain um, affects mental health. One indiv individual said, it's, it's hard to be in a good mood when you're hurting all the time and your mood can affect your overall physical health. Um, another person said, oh, I'm sorry, I'm going along too quickly. Um, I, I think just really the mental load, the burden of having pain is, um, oops, sorry, I'm just trying to see the quotes because I'm, I'm covering it. <laughs> um, I think the burden of having pain is the hardest part for me, more so than the actual pain. Um, and I think uh, the biggest thing to address is not only the pain and how it's affecting their physical body, but how it's also affecting their mental health every day and how it's affecting how they think about things. Um, because I think one of the biggest battles of being in constant pain is the mental battle. Um, advice um, to CF care teams included listening and believing the patient about their experiences of pain. One person said, um, listen to your patient. Your patient knows their body better than you do, and 
this is a generalization, but I think people with CF know their body even better than the average population person. Another said, I think validation is the biggest thing. Even if there's not like, okay, we need to change this or that, um, validation that maybe you're not just imagining it, validation that you are experiencing pain. So some really um, powerful advice, um, important advice for CF care teams. So I wanna um, you know, really thank the individuals who participated in these interviews. We're, we're going to be you know, doing more analysis and presenting more, but we really wanted to be able to share some of these preliminary themes with you today. Um, and now I'm going to shift to focus um, and tell you a little about more about the second aim of this project. Um, at the development of a CF-specific intervention for pain management. Um, so there are um, specific psychological or uh, sometimes what we call mind-body approaches to chronic pain that have strong evidence. Um, these include cognitive behavioral therapy or CBT approaches and also mindfulness-based approaches. Um, so the second aim of this project is to develop a pain intervention that incorporates the feedback and experiences um, described in all of our interviews um, that we collect and um, that is drawn from these evidence-based approaches. And these particular mind-body approaches have been shown to reduce pain um, overall, as well as the impact of pain on daily functioning and quality of life. And um, while there are no studies that we know of in CF yet, um, CBT has been shown to be effective in reducing disease-related pain um, in other chronic illnesses, um, such as cancer. Um, another um, benefit is that um, CBT is also considered a first-line treatment um, for, for conditions that frequently co-occur with pain. So we know that depression, um, anxiety, sleep problems are things that often go along with pain. Um, and CBT is very effective for those um, problems as well. And CBT is useful because it targets many aspects of the human experience, including um, physical responses, emotions, thoughts, and behavior, and the connection between those. And all of these experiences are relevant to the experience of pain. Um, so what are mind-body approaches and how, how do they work? Um, so there are... Um, well, mind-body interventions in general work to dial down the nervous system response that contributes to the experience of pain. Um, and there are two main categories of mind-body um, interventions. One is um, relaxation and mindfulness skills. And I'm gonna talk in more detail about these, um, these interventions, um, but relaxation and mindfulness skills work like a dimmer switch to reduce pain and, stre and stress. Um, the second category is um, the cognitive and behavioral strategies. Um, and these are strategies that disrupt negative cycles that can in inadvertently um, worsen pain. So let me talk a little bit about um, what we call a biopsychosocial model of pain. Um, this model as applied to pain medicine um, provides a framework for understanding how diverse biological, psychological, 
and social or environmental factors interact to influence a person's overall experience of pain. Um, and one aspect of working with people with pain on a mind-body intervention is to help them have this understanding um, of how pain is processed in the brain and nervous system um, and how uh, all of these factors can work together to um, influence pain, as well as how uh, mind-body skills can help. Um, so this biopsychosocial model of pain, as you can see, um, describes the interaction of multiple factors that contribute to, to chronic pain. Um, biological factors, things like age, um, CF disease severity in the case of CF, um, genetics, um, interact with psychological factors like thoughts, mood, and stress, which also interact with social factors like family, work, friends, culture. Um, and this is a way to think about pain that is um, more, maybe more comprehensive than some other models, and it has been well validated. So it, it differs from um, you know, what we might think of as a more um, strict biomedical pain model in which pain might be viewed as caused by biological factors alone. And then if those factors, you know, we can't um, no longer pinpoint a biological cause, then we're looking at you know, psychological or psych uh, we're calling it psychosomatic. Um, so why consider using mind-body approaches? Um, as um, Dr. Bruce talked about, chronic pain um, is a complex problem that can be really challenging to manage. Um, and mind-body approaches are one set of, of strategies to help manage pain that can be used um, as one component of a multifaceted approach to chronic pain that may include medications um, and other non-medication interventions. Um, one analogy that I've heard that um, I think it can be a nice way of thinking about it is that um, trying to live your best life with chronic pain um, is trying to get a car with four flat tires uh, moving again. Um, and you can uh, fill one tire of that car with medication um, but to be able to get the car moving, you may need to fill the other tires with other approaches, things like physical therapy, uh, mind-body mind body approaches, or acupuncture. Um, another reason to consider mind-body approaches is that it builds on strengths and skills that people are already using. Um, you know, we, we are aware, we know that people living with CF um, are already, they're incredibly knowledgeable. Um, and resilient. Um, and this builds on the strengths and skills that they may be already be using and expands on that with skills that can be helpful um, for managing both pain and stress. Um, the focus is on giving more tools um, to manage the pain to improve quality of life. Um, another plus for mind-body approaches is that they um, tend to be low risk. Um, so um, we heard in some of our interviews with people with CF that they, they didn't really want to take more medications or that they have been hearing that um, some pain medications um, like NSAIDs were contraindicated, um, others like opioids might um, have higher risk. So, um, you know, adding this is, is, is a low risk um, approach to the uh, group of approaches that can all be helpful together. 
Um, and one thing I, it's vital to understand is that um, the recommendation to utilize mind-body approaches um, um, does not imply that the pain being experienced is not real. Um, people often feel like they're being told that it's all in their head. Um, and um, so that's important to recognize that that's not what this is about. And that um, also that improving with psychological approaches, again, is also not an indication that um, the pain was, you know, um, anxiety driven all along. Or, um, uh, mindfulness, as we talked a little bit about, and acceptance are one component of mind-body approaches to pain and um, involve accepting physical and emotional discomfort while living a value-driven life. Um, and one of our interviewees, I think, stated this very well. Um, they said, um, I think the most important thing is how do we make our daily life better? Um, because you're going to have the pain. There's just no way around it. You're going to have it. So how do you live the best life you can possibly live with this pain? Um, but um, I believe um, tailoring of traditional protocols may be really important to address the unique emotional challenges that and experiences of people with CF. Um, and um, specific techniques also uh, may need modification. Um, so one example might that we think of is relaxation. Uh, when we're teaching relaxation skills, um, we've really found it helpful and gotten a lot of feedback from people that um, it's useful to have a wide range of approaches other than breathing techniques, as not everybody feels that breathing techniques are helpful for relaxation. Um, a CF-specific approach would also um, address how pain um, interacts and interferes um, with the ability to engage in CF therapies and self-care. And in addition, um, potential, you know, just the barriers to access really need to be addressed um, and through you know, innovative models, of delivery for, for example, integrating it into routine CF care um, and uh, use of telehealth. Just, you know, uh, mind-body interventions in general can be really difficult to access. So now I'm going to give a brief introduction to some of the components of a mind-body approach to pain management. Um, chronic pain, um, as we we've talked about is, a, is both a physical and a psychological stressor. And um, when people experience chronic pain, their bodies react with a fight or flight stress response. Um, this is a response that's controlled by the sympathetic nervous system. And it's critical to survival um, when people face a dangerous or threatening situation. Um, in the case of chronic pain, however, um, that physiological stress response is prolonged and it's no longer um, serving that adaptive function. It just, it really creates a lot of additional um, tension um, and wear and tear in the body. Um, and so that's how the, why the practice of relaxation and mindfulness um, can be fundamental in addressing this by including, uh, it induces the body's natural um, relaxation response, which is the opposite physiological response to the stress response. Um, and this response is characterized by slower, more efficient breathing, reduced muscle tension, decreased heart rate and blood pressure, 
um, increased blood flow to muscles. Um, and, um, and the nice thing about it is also it creates a nice uh, a sense of increased well-being. Um, so another component of mind-body interventions or CBT involves breaking um, or interrupting the pain cycle with specific types of activity. Um, so often when people have chronic pain, um, naturally they stop or, or doing things because it hurts um, to move. Um, however, um, inactivity um, can lead to, to deconditioning, um, which can cause further difficulties and pain. Um, in addition, it can also lead to further isolation and poorer mood. And, um, and this inadvertently may lead to even less activity and worsening pain over time. So behavior activation is a type of strategy that involves really, it's very collaborative as all of these strategies are, but it involves working with people to brainstorm and, and schedule activities that they um, find enjoyable and most importantly, meaningful to them that they can still do even with pain. And this is shown to be helpful both for pain management um, and for improving mood. So the, um, the practice of pacing is uh, an important piece of this. Um, it's used to create a good balance of activity and rest. Um, so there's not um, this kind of too big of a seesaw between when a person is not uh, is regular, um, not regularly pushing themselves, so sorry, so a person's not regularly pushing themselves really too hard and overdoing it and then backsliding. So really it's about balancing the seesaw. Um, we know that movement can be particularly important, again, um, to break the cycle of inactivity and improve overall conditioning. And um, yeah, move to some quotes here. Some of the interviewees um, talked about how important exercise was for them for pain management. Um, one person said, my exercise manages my pain amazingly gets those endorphins flowing. Uh, my gosh, I just love it. I love how I feel after a workout. Um, the more that I move around and stay busy, the better it is for my lungs and the better it is for my GI system. Um, so again, um, we know that exercise is important. Um, so it's just incorporating how to do that safely and gradually um, and, and in ways that are meaningful to people. So lastly, um, another component um, of mind-body strategies are um, cognitive strategies, or what we sometimes call adaptive thinking skills. Um, so experiencing pain um, naturally uh, leads to a cycle of negative thoughts um, that can cause worse pain and distress. And we heard from uh, people we talked about how, about the impact of pain on, on mental health and, and the way that they're thinking. Um, Many people have, um, unfortunately, have self-critical thoughts, have harsh, unrealistic expectations for themselves, thoughts such as, I shouldn't be having this pain, or I should be able to do more. Uh, a certain type of thinking as well, um, which is sometimes labeled pain catastrophizing, um, which just means imagining the worst. Um, and that can be particularly damaging. There's one study that shows that it's a predictor of de decreased quality of life in adults with CF and pain. 
um, th thoughts like these, um, they might be you know, very normal reactions to ongoing pain that people are experiencing, but they can also, as we said, negatively affect emotional health. And they um, keep the nervous system in high gear. So pain is more likely to persist or even worsen. Um, psychological strategies work to increase awareness of these uh, thoughts. Uh, often they're going on in the background and um, when you have more awareness of them, it's, it starts the process of being able to take a step back. Um, but also uh, includes specific strategies to try to, to break this cycle um, and to modify thoughts to be more balanced, more flexible, um, and, uh, and more self-compassionate. So uh, one common myth about CBT I wanted to address is, is that it's, um, you just need to think positively and that's what CBT teaches. Um, and that's really inaccurate and it just makes people really shy away from getting psychological help for their problems related to chronic illness or pain. Um, so again, these strategies are taught are, that are taught are much more nuanced and they involve validating and honoring feelings and experiences um, in addition to practicing these ways of thinking um, that are more, uh, as I said, balanced, flexible, and self-compassionate. And um, I think this may be um, particularly important for people with CF as you know, pain-related thoughts may be in the context of um, previous medical experiences um, and realistic worries or uncertainty about their health. Um, so really uh, finding ways to um, think about things that can be uh, more helpful. Deborah, I think we um, are supposed to wrap up so we can take a few questions before everyone goes to lunch. Okay, great. We'll do that. Um, I just want to end with this quote. I think that people with CF living longer, that's a huge thing that now we can research that topic and focus more on that and quality of life. And I'm going to move through. We have resor other resources here um, that you might be interested in, both adult and pediatric. So thank you very much. We're um, uh, very thankful to uh, CFRI for inviting us to speak today. Um, all of our collaborators and particularly the participants in this project for relating their experiences that we were able to share today. And we are um, thrilled to continue this conversation um, and work with all of you in the CF community. Thank you so much. Have a great lunch, everybody.